0: Welcome to this week's edition of Good Books Radio. Audiobooks.com is the chief underwriter for Good Books Radio, which is produced by UTRGV Media Services for Rio Grande Valley Public Radio. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Cook
1: welcome once again to another edition of Good Books Radio. I'm your host this week, Dr. John Cook. Good Books Radio is a production of the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley as a service to the community and public radio. And with me today is Dr. Lorenzo Cohen, who's the Richard Haynes Distinguished Professor in Clinical Cancer Prevention and Director of the Integrative Medicine Program at the UT MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston. He's on the board of the Academic Consortium for Integrative Medicine and Health and is a founding member and past president of the Society for Integrative Oncology. Dr. Cohen has published more than 125 scientific articles in both top medical journals and has edited two books on integrative medicine for career care. And with us also is his co-author Allison Jeffries, who has worked extensively as an educator and a former president of the MD Anderson Cancer Center faculty and family organization and works closely with the Lorenzo Cohen to foster health and wellness in individuals and their communities. Welcome to the program, y'all.
0: Thank you so much for having us.
1: The book is Anti-Cancer Living, Transform Your Life, and health with the mix of six. And I just have to say as someone who's done several books on wellness that the mix of six that y'all recommend is the same thing that's recommended for heart health, brain health, all other kinds of health. But there's something I want to bring up up front about medicine. And that is you mentioned in the first chapter that doctors across all disciplines have confided that they have long suspected that their patient's mental state and lifestyle plays an important role in the ability to survive cancer diagnosis and restore themselves to wellness. Why is it that there is not more focus in the practice of medicine on holistic wellness, on the social support, the the diet and the exercise? What is what is going on there?
2: well that's that's a tough question and, and in fact it is uh historically the case that there's been little focus in this area however i'm pleased to to share that that is changing so the NCCN, the National Comprehensive Cancer Network, uh, which is, is made up of of the uh, de- main designated cancer centers in our country, now mandate uh, distress screening as what we call the six vital signs. So you need to screen and have a, a care management plan to help uh, manage the mental health needs of cancer patients. So you think, well, why, why is mental health related to cancer? Well, it is, and depression and anxiety and distress actually confer worse prognosis in an individual. So there's, there is finally this recognition due to the overwhelming data that lifestyle factors really matter when it comes to cancer prevention. And as we use it when somebody has cancer, uh, the term cancer control, being able to, as best we can, uh, do everything possible to control that cancer and and ideally get it uh, out of the person's body.
1: Mm -hmm. And it was heartening to hear so many of the stories that you have about people who had stage four this or that or metastasized this or that. And the doctors were giving them three months to a year to live. And they're still Alive and kicking 12, 20 years down the line. I want to get into that. But before we do, let's talk about the tobacco lesson. Um, You know, tobacco is the cause of 14 different cancers or is linked to at least 14 different cancers. And yet it's uh, something that people just can't seem to get rid of.
2: Well, it, it's 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 uh, a very complicated topic, of course, and and it shouldn't be that complicated because it's one substance, and and we know the absolute uh, harms multiple cancers as well as other diseases like uh, uh, chronic uh, pulmonary disease, um, cardiovascular heart disease, stroke, etc. Um, so it, it's it is. Uh, ultimately it ends up being political and you know one of the challenges that that we face in some of these other areas that we talk about in the book is is they're even more complicated. So, you know, it's one thing to say tobacco, potentially sugar, you know, the individual things, uh, but we're talking about a whole lifestyle and trying to reinforce that becomes more challenging. However, you know, on the positive side of the tobacco story, although um, far too many people continue to smoke and, and we permissively let the tobacco in, reinvent themselves and addict a whole new generation through um, other means of getting nicotine into people Um, this was a good example that if there is enough public pressure and governmental pressure um, and and financial disincentives Uh, we can put a huge dent in in the harm caused uh, by tobacco to to our society. Now, you know, that, that harm is now being exported to other countries where the tobacco industry is focusing their efforts. Um, but it is an example of, of what happens when enough pressure is put on an industry, uh, we can create change.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I, I like the fact that you, you discussed the fact that it's dollars and cents for some countries. The government intervention has been to raise the price, and that has decreased use to some extent. And then you raise the question later on, what if we had the same level of public outcry against processed red meat like bacon and hot dogs? <laughs>
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and, uh, and and we need to have that public outcry, um, and and to 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 try and put pressure on industries that don't have our health in in, in their best interest.
0: Mm-hmm. We, if if you look at you know the the our chemical exposure, which is one of the mix of six that we talk about in the book we have over 80,000 chemicals that are currently in use and only a very small portion of those chemicals have been evaluated and researched and yet we are being exposed to them in ways that we don't really understand or know about and so it's another area where you know pressure can have a result mm-hmm. that we want to have products and uh, products that are healthy for us
1: Yes, I, I, I am concerned about the environmental factors because I don't have bad genes in this regard. But as you say, genetics is less than 5% of it. It's all kinds of other dynamics in the body that, that uh, cause it. But you mentioned that uh, uh, attitude has a lot to do with fighting cancer and so does diet and exercise. But I really like the notion of unlearning helplessness. Talk about that in terms of attitude, unlearning helplessness when you're diagnosed.
2: Well, you know cancer probably more than any other uh, life threatening illness leaves leaves people in in this state of um, almost this learned helplessness uh, the The disease is very complicated, so learning this this whole new language um, and it's as if our our own bodies have sabotaged us because of course cancer is your own cells uh, going rogue and and growing out of control. Um, it's not as if it's it's something uh, that has has entered the body like some external illnesses. Um, and as a, a cancer patient, there is a lot being done to you and you need to make decisions relatively quickly, usually less quickly than people realize. Um, there is time to, to you know, think about what is the appropriate choice and make that choice alongside family and, and the, the professionals. Um, but what is really, um, in some sense, hopeful, and and the the flip side of of the helplessness is the hopefulness and the control that an individual can have, and this is what we try and and lay out clearly in in anti cancer living is, you know, what is a good path forward that is based on the evidence to allow you to, to be more in the driver's seat than you uh, ever
1: thought could be possible. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, it's a lot of complex discussion here and, and one of the things that, that struck me that I didn't realize is that cancer is kind of unique to each individual. Uh, what, what causes cancer anyway is a big question. I know I, I just saw a television talk show where one of the hosts said, you know, when I go through the obituaries, I'm seeing more and more people having cancer. and I'm wondering how much the air and the water and the food has to do with all of that. And it's, it's a pretty complicated process.
2: Well, it is. And, and you know, we try and um, explain this in as simple a way as possible. But but it, with the complexity that, that it deserves, because it is very complex, and um, there is no one thing that causes cancer. And what we do know is that we constantly have cells in our body that are mutating, that are, are growing in an inappropriate fashion. And there are multiple checks and balances in place to, uh, to not let that grow into a cancer. Um, and you know when everything is working properly, that cell dies or that cell um, is, is mopped up by the immune system um, and everything continues forward. Uh, what we've learned now is that multiple factors need to be uh, lining up for a cancer to be able to grow and thrive. And what we share with the readers is that the uh, lifestyle factors that we outline in the book influence one or more of these different biological processes. So the idea behind this term, the mix of six, is being able to combine the proper balance of these six different lifestyle factors, not only that they can influence these key cancer hallmarks, these biological pathways, but also so that they can better influence each other.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it, it really is uh, well laid out and explained to uh, the layperson well. I, I felt like I understood most of it uh, from uh, the the genesis in, in the cells to uh, the things that affect that and the, I do want to get to the mix of 6 but the one of the things that impressed me cuz I I used to do uh, seminars and I actually did a seminar at MD Anderson uh in the late 80s early 90s on how to handle difficult people for nurses and after the seminar one of the nurses stopped to talk to me and said you know the wonderful thing about MD Anderson is we know that cancer's not a death sentence anymore and so there's the immunotherapies and there's there's coming out with different uh drugs and uh uh, radiation treatments and surgeries that are very different than what people would have thought of twenty years ago
2: yeah absolutely I mean it is it is uh, um, better than ever in terms of what we 're able to do and and it 's partly due to a better understanding of cancer and immunotherapy is a perfect example we've we 've always known that the immune system was intricately involved in allowing a cancer to grow and and played a role in um, in, in treating cancer, but were not able to fully harness the benefits of the immune system. So we were giving agents to individuals to just boost their immune system. And this newest discovery was um, to actually provide uh, drugs that would take the brakes off of the immune system that, that have been put on essentially by the cancer itself.
1: Yeah, it was interesting to read that uh, cancer cells basically build their own support system. They they uh, create blood flow to help them grow and, and stuff like that. It's really horrifying to think that all they do to survive uh, inside your body.
2: Exactly. And, you know, so our... Our job as educated consumers and, and individuals wanting to avoid cancer and to live a life of, of health and wellness is to, you know, do what we know we can do to make our body as inhospitable to cancer as possible. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, let's go through the mix of six then. Um, the, the first one that you come to, uh, they're all key, but you put social support in the top spot. So let's talk about why you did that.
0: We put uh, love and support in the top spot because without uh, addressing that issue, you can't be successful in making change in the other areas. It's very, very difficult. Uh, I'm sure that uh, your listeners know, like most of us, that if you decide that you want to lose some weight and you you know, embark on a diet tomorrow, that by lunchtime you can often feel that you've been sabotaged unintentionally by good friends who say, let's go for lunch, you know, let's meet after work. Uh, So what you really want to do is set yourself up for success. And doing that, you know, love and support is a fully fleshed out area. But one of the things you want to do is have a team, have a social support circle that you can utilize to help you make those changes so that you don't launch into losing weight without the proper support behind you, without that friend who you're going to go to or you're going to commiserate with or you're going to share recipes with. Um, So it's very, very important that you put the social support piece in place first before taking on the other areas. And the next one is stress, sleep, exercise, uh, diet, and the environment.
1: Mm -hmm. But in the social support, uh, uh, there's a variety of uh, kinds of social support because one person can't do it all. And I think that's important for people to know.
0: It absolutely is Uh, because, you know, we often think that our social support is maybe our spouse or our partner or our close friend, and really social support comes in so many different forms. So you need the kind of support that picks up your kids from school or takes you to an appointment for your cancer treatment. You need that intimate person who you can talk to about your deepest feelings and emotional support. You need motivational support, somebody who's your cheerleader. You need informational support, you know, your doctor or the internet or other professionals in the field to help you learn. So when you think like that, you realize that your net can be thrown wide and that you can use all of these resources and so not being, you're not needing to tap just one person all the time to help you.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some talk near the end of that part on support about endymonic well-being, if I pronounce that correctly, Um, uh, a positive attitude that comes from doing satisfying things, Uh, and, and that ties into the stress and resilience as well
2: yeah and, and you know taking that a bit further, it's it's doing things for others. Um, there's a tremendous amount of evidence that that volunteering and, and engaging in, in things that, that go beyond the self um, uh, is actually healthy for us at a biological level. So it's not just that uh, you feel better; uh, your body actually is going to be functioning better, having lower inflammatory gene signaling, which is is critical to uh, maintain our health. So it's you know it's it's still engaging in pleasurable things, but it's a slight shift of. You know, from self to others. That's that's critically important. Um, we also know that that can help to bring more meaning and purpose in life. And we also know that individuals who have more meaning and purpose, who are more connected to others, that 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 is what what truly brings happiness and is ultimately the antidote to loneliness.
1: And you and Allison have written about the link between stress and cancer proliferation. They're the they're the emotion of mortality are listed out. And I think there's there's something really powerful in that. And that's true of all kinds of holistic wellness, and uh, that, that stress is a key because it causes inflammation, because it causes so many other things that, that uh, are part of the issue. And there's a big focus on meditation in this chapter on stress.
2: So stress, in, we know, literally speeds the aging process. It impacts... You know, us at a, at, a, at a cellular level, essentially every part of our body is negatively uh, influenced by stress. So the key is, you know, what do we do to, to try and dampen down the fight or flight response, the uh, flooding of our body of stress hormones and uh, there are many strategies meditation uh, being one of them and one of the benefits of of meditation is is you don't need a class you don't need a gym you don't need um, anything you 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 could literally do it standing wherever you are just taking uh, a a moment and and preferably multiple moments of time to uh, take your brain offline uh, and and create a sense of calm. Mm-hmm. I do
0: think I do think that you know, um, growing up in North America, meditation has not been part of uh, of what we normally have experienced here, and uh, it's an area where I think a lot of people feel like they don't know how to do it, and so it's one of those areas where you can either you know engage a friend to look at it and try and figure it out online together, but also to go to a class every Saturday morning for six weeks to learn the practice so that then you can bring it back into your home. But if you're a self-starter, you can do it right away by going online, and there are thousands upon thousands of meditations available. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I appreciate uh, that you mentioned Qigong, which I had to Google because I had no idea what it was, and I found some videos that train you in how to do that practice, and I, I have done Tai Chi in the past, but this is like another, another form that uh, can help one with stress as well.
0: Well, and it's great to hear that you've Googled it and that you found the videos and you've, you know, tried it out because that's exactly how easy it is to do. Mm-hmm. And just discussing that with a friend and then doing it is a terrific step mm-hmm. uh, in exploring a new mind-body practice.
1: Let's get to one that's also been treated in my books on brain health and heart health, and that is getting enough sleep. <laughs> we need rest for recovery. The glymphatic system needs to do its stuff to prevent dementia and there's just all kinds of things that sleep does for us that are healthy if we get enough.
0: And
2: that's and that's the rub is getting enough. And so, what's enough? Well, the, uh, the basic recommendations are minimum, minimum. And I'll say that again: minimum six and a half hours. Uh, that's probably shortchanging yourself. And you know, there's that kind of sweet spot: seven, seven and a half, eight. Certainly, individual differences. Uh, but it's clear that individuals who sleep six and a half hours or less. Um, a night adults uh, don't live as long and have uh, you know modifications in in their metabolism it changes the way we that we process food it of course disrupts uh, healthy relationships decreases motivation for exercise so you know that that's where Uh, sleep in and of itself has those direct effects, but also indirect effects on other areas of the mix of six. Mm
1: -hmm. And and there's so much that mitigates against getting our seven to nine hours that that most most adults require, and that is blue light, uh, having a TV in your bedroom, uh, uh, noise. There's so many things that keep us from getting a full night's sleep and getting through all the cycles of sleep.
0: That's right, uh, and, you know, you don't realize actually how um, impactful they can be uh, until you start, you know, going through one by one and, you know, sticking tape, for instance, over the blue light. If you do have a television in your room, the LED lights that, that are bright, if you have, um, you know, a phone or whatnot, which we recommend trying to, to find another room for that. But we often talk about um, using your senses, to evaluate how effective your sleep is and to look at things like taste, for instance, how, have, how much alcohol and coffee have you had and at what times, feeling, temperature, you know, looking at your bedroom and... Uh, establishing the best temperature so that you can sleep well, hearing, are you hearing too many noises out uh, outside? So all these things uh, we talk about in anti-cancer living as tools that you can use to uh, improve your sleep.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about moving a little bit. I, one of the things that is, is becoming more a popular item to write about is that we need to have less sitting time because sitting is as hazardous to your health as some other things that we've always known, including obesity and, and smoking. So get the body in motion.
2: Yeah, they, they actually have, 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 you know, in headlines used the term, you know, sitting is the new smoking. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, it's, you know, getting moving and, and exercising and being physically active. And, you know, key point, uh, just sitting less. So when we stand up, and, and you know now a lot of businesses are, are encouraging and including as as standard uh, equipment for their office uh, employees, their standing desks. Now it's one thing to have a standing desk it's another to use it. So you need to use your standing desk and and literally just stand up. By standing up, you're engaging your core, you're engaging your back muscles, you're engaging your legs, Um, you are in, in motion, even though you may be standing relatively still, the con- the body is, is uh, moving ever so slightly, in addition to just being more in motion. So, you know, every hour, you know, you take a walk up and down the hallway. Ideally, you know, take that walk outside and, and have that next hour-long meeting with with a colleague be a, uh, be a walking meeting where you actually are able to get four to five thousand steps in um, and accomplish the goals that, that were on the agenda for that meeting.
0: Another thing to think about uh, in regards to family is that we often reward each other with treats and food. Uh, things that are not necessarily healthy for us. Mm -hmm. And so one of the areas to think about in exercise is how can we reward the people around us by doing things that are healthy together so that we're going to take this great walk in celebration of something that you have accomplished. Um, We're going to do a pickup game at the park with our kids. So looking at exercise across the week and in the workplace, at home, Um, All of those things can really have an impact.
1: Okay. Uh, You you mentioned rewards, and and, uh, I want to affirm that food is medicine. So let's talk a little bit about a plant-based diet and the evils of sugar and red meat for a little bit.
2: Well, so let's let us start with the positive that, you know, there's so much evidence now that a plant-based diet, whether we call it the Mediterranean diet or the traditional Asian diet, essentially a, a diet that is, is primarily, and that means more than three quarters of your plate made up of whole foods from the plant world, uh, that that decreases a whole host of diseases uh, and, and multiple uh, cancers. Um, what what should not be on that plate or certainly not in excess are processed foods um, and of course you know one of the most highly processed foods and food additives is is sugar um, and you know added sugar in food is of course uh, nutritionless calories that are being added uh, but they it also leads to inflammation and inflammation of course is a risk factor for cancer. Uh, Uh, Alzheimer's, as well as cardiovascular disease, all of which have been linked with with excess added sugar uh, consumption in the diet. Uh, Red meat's a little more complicated. easier to to vilify is, is processed meats. Um, so bacon, hot dogs, etc., and and those have been uh, classified as as causing cancer, and uh, in in the area of red meat, for certain cancers, there's there's more of a direct association. So the more red meat consumed, the uh, the higher the risk of colon cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's not exactly clear, you know, what this link is, but it's, it's believed to be, you know, two factors. One is, is the actual uh, processing, uh, the, the, the way that, that red meat is prepared, the charring, the grilling in particular, even pan-fried. Uh, just, you know, heat applied to red meat uh, releases a uh, uh, carcinogen, Uh, as well as how cows are raised in this country, which creates a tremendous imbalance in the cow's flesh of omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids, omega-6 fatty acids, which are abundant in uh, conventionally raised cows, uh, which is inflammatory in nature. Mm
1: -hmm. And we've got about a minute left. I I do want to say that the other pillar involves detoxifying your environment, and you have some great tips there. for reducing household chemical exposures and filtering your water and reducing toxins in your body and interacting carefully with the larger environment. This is a great read. It's an important work and I, I'm really grateful to you two for for having put it together. Uh, we've been talking with Lorenzo Cohen and Allison Jeffries. The book is Anti-Cancer Living Transform Your Life and Health with the Mix of Six. Uh, It's it's a read that anybody can understand, and I think it's very helpful in terms of your overall wellness. I'm your host, Dr. John Cook. I remind you, if you don't hear our regularly scheduled broadcast, you can also find us on YouTube at Good Books Radio, Strong & Cook. Thanks for listening, and make it a great day.